episode number two. Welcome to the Higher Life Podcast. Lessons from Authentic Judaism. Get the inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff, and I'm very happy to be here today to speak about the wonderful holiday of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a very special time in Judaism. I'm going to start out here with the Rambam in Hilchas Hanukkah, Halacha number 12. It's just like this. I'm going to read it to you. The mitzvah of kindling Hanukkah lamps is very dear, and Lushan there in Hebrew is chaviv. Chaviv means very special and dear. A person should be very careful in its observance to publicize the miracle and thus increase our praise of God and our expression of thanks for the miracles which he wrought for our behalf. Now listen to this. Even if a person has no resources for food except what he receives from charity, he should pawn or sell his garments and purchase oil and lamps to kindle them in the fulfillment of the mitzvah. Now that is a very special mitzvah. It's very chaviv. It's very, chaviv means dear. The question is, what's so chaviv, what's so special and dear about the mitzvah of Hanukkah? Now, Rav Shimshon Pinchas explains, he wants to say like this, We know that the Lushen chaviv, special or dear, is especially by the words of the rabbis. And Hanukkah happens to be a holiday that is brought down by the rabbis. It's not actually in the Torah itself. It came much later. So we know this statement from Chazal that says, Chavivim divrei sofrim. The words of the rabbis are more special than the actual words of the Torah. And that makes sense because what, what, what it means is that what's being added on for the sake of God is more than what actually God what he wrote himself. It's adding on. It's showing our love towards God. And that's why it's chaviv. So if Pinkus explains that the holidays, for example, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, which was before Hanukkah, way before Hanukkah, and the Jews did it for thousands of years, that could be, God forbid, being done because of habit. That's a very bad thing. Came along Hanukkah, a new holiday, to break the cycle, to make something special, to create closeness to God in a new and special way, to rebuild the relationship. And he explains that the Rambam did not say mitzvah gedolam or He didn't say it was a big mitzvah. He said it was a chaviv mitzvah, a special mitzvah. And he wants to say that Hanukkah is the time to internalize the idea of chavivim divrei from the specialty of the words of the rabbis. Inside of all the other moadim. In other words, it should create a desire and a love for God. With the novelty and the specialty of the light that it produces. It should create a special closeness to God as if the person is doing the mitzvah and it's not dependent on anything. Just purely for the love of God, the way a child learned, loves his son, even if he's only one day old. Pure love. Hanukkah is supposed to produce pure love of God. So I want to explain why that's specifically true by Hanukkah. And another point. I'm here to have here the Mogei Avram. And the Mogei Avram says like this. Hanukkah, just like Shavuos, we know, is the accepting of the written Torah. It is an accepting of the oral Torah. Hanukkah is connected with accepting the words of the rabbis. So I want to explain these two ideas. Why, first of all, was it so chaviv? And second of all, what does it have to do with the oral tradition as compared to the written tradition? 
So the great and holy Maral explains that the Greeks rejected divine wisdom. They had a lot of wisdom. They had a lot of good ideas, but they ex- did not accept the fact that wisdom could be beyond, in its source, a divine source. Only sense perception, the idea, very pragmatic, whatever you see exists, if you don't see it, it doesn't exist, according to the Greeks. Now, the Greek exile was called darkness, a lack of light, pure darkness. Why is that? Because nothing existed outside of the senses. It was purely sense perception. All reality outside of the senses didn't exist. That was part of the Greek philosophy. And this philosophy crept into the Jewish people. This was part of being in exile under these ideas, and it influenced us. Now, along with that came these ideas from the Greeks that beauty is the number one top priority. Not only that, but entertainment, plays, sports, Olympics, YouTube, all these kinds of things came in, and we are still under this Greek idea that the purpose of life is to entertain ourselves. There's a verse in, in Parshish Noah that says like this, and may God expand Yafis. That's talking about the Greeks. God should expand them, and he may dwell in the houses of Shem. So there is a connection between the Greeks and the Jewish people. He's going to dwell in our tents. And Rashi brings down that God will beautify Yafet, which means he's going to bring him to the foreground, and he's going to show off, and he's going to show focus, like today's world is all focused on beauty and looks. And we are constantly entertaining ourselves and filling ourselves up with things beside what we're supposed to be filling ourselves up and avoiding the real connection to life and the connection to God. I want to show you what the Jewish perspective is on this. And I'm going to read from here the famous Ramchal in his Sefer Mesios Yesharim, The Path of the Just. And the opening move, my rabbi used to say, Pawn to King Ford, the opening move of Path of the Just is a little chapter here called Man's Duty in the World. And he says like this, The bedrock of piety and the root of flawless divine service, in other words, the foundation of serving God, lies in man's effort to clarify and verify what his duty is in this world. Again, It lies in man's effort to clarify and to verify what his duty is in this world. He must determine what he is aiming for and how to achieve this in all of his labors throughout his lifetime. You have to have a clear goal. Every business person will tell you you have to have a clear goal. And every rabbi will also tell you that you have to have a clear goal. If you don't have the goal, you're not going to succeed. The goal is to determine what am I doing here? What is my obligation? And where do we see this? We also see this by the Pesach Seder. For example, by the Pesach, the wise son, what did he ask? What is my obligation? Now, Rev. Moshe Shapiro explains that that is the opposite of what the Greeks are doing. The Greeks are not looking at all what is my obligation. As a matter of fact, God is not even in the picture. What is my obligation? What obligation? I am here to enjoy myself. I am here to entertain myself. I'm going to go to the Olympics. Olympics is Greek, right? Sports, plays, entertainment, where you're just going to just constantly feed ourselves with things and look at the beauty of them and to see them for what they are at face value. Everything is face value. And I'm going to fill my life up with things at face value. 
And then I'll talk about those things, and, I'll, and everybody will talk about the different things. Like everybody's talking about the movies. What are you talking about? I saw this movie, and I saw that movie. Most of the conversations is about this movie, this book I read, this thing. Everything's at a face value. Nobody is looking underneath the surface to what do things mean, things that happen in life. What does that mean? Where's the meaning? What is my obligation? But it's not just my obligation because I'm obligated and I have to be goody two-shoes. It means what is my relationship to God? We hold that everything that occurs in a man's life comes directly from God. Now, if I'm just looking at as at entertainment value, so I'm not going to miss the point. I'm going to miss the boat. I have to look at it. What is it coming to teach me? What do I need to learn from this? Not in a crazy way, God's talking to me and everything God speaks to me. I have to just understand what direction I'm supposed to take based on what's coming at me. It happens to be true that God does direct our lives. But it's not crazy like I have a voice in my head, God is telling me to do this, God forbid. So, But the point is, we look at things for what they mean. For example, a person hears that his neighbor gets divorced. So what's he thinking? What should he be thinking? He should be thinking, you know what? What did I have to do with this? Maybe, you know, maybe I could have been nicer to him. And if I was nice to him, he wouldn't have been in a bad mood. He wanted to fault with his wife. And maybe you could have been nicer to her. What's my obligation? What does it mean? Why are people getting divorced? Maybe we have to be nicer to one to the other. Maybe society has to grow. People, I don't know. But whatever it is, it's, it's a question of what's my obligation? What does God want from me? Now, Rev. Moshe Shapiro further explained that the word ugly, which is the opposite of beauty in Hebrew, is, is said, which literally means clouded or muddy. The Jewish perspective on what is beautiful and what is ugly, something is ugly if it's clouded, and something is beautiful if it's transparent, which means you can see to, into its inner being, into its inner meaning. And it, also, we know that the Maharal explains that the greatest beauty is modesty. Why is modesty the greatest beauty? Because a modest person, you can see them for who they are. They're not covered up with all this fancy clothes and fancy pocketbooks and watches and, and all kinds of things to show off. They, can, they are who they are, and you can see clearly who they are. That's what makes them beautiful. Modesty is beautiful. Now, I want to explain a little bit, Alpi Kabbalah, how this works. We know that the world, from our perspective, seems round. Everything about it is round. The world itself is round. Everything's running in cycles. The universe is spinning around. Everything's moving in a round motion. Which means, in a certain sense, there's no beginning or end. And then that is exactly what the Greeks held. The Greeks held there was no point where the creation was created. The creation was always here. But the Jewish perspective is, even though we know that the world is round, but Abi Kabbalah, we know the world is created inside of a hay. And a hay is square. And it's open on the bottom. What does that mean? It means that the world is created in a way, it's completely open. If you want to sin, go ahead. You know, you can sin from the day to the night. You can do whatever you want, and God will let you. The way that a man wants to go, God will help him. God helps the thief. He helps the murderer. He helps everybody. And that's what it means that it's open on the bottom. And if you notice on the left of the head, there's a little door on top. So if a person wants to return and repent from his bad ways, he has to climb back up in the door on the left, and he has to go in through the hay. That's Alpi Kabbalah. Now, what does it mean? But the world itself is inside of a square. The round world that we perceive, if you just look in terms of sense perception, is purely round. But the reality is, is that it's inside of a square. Our world is inside of a square. Now, what does that mean? There's nothing square in this world. Nothing. 
You cannot produce for me a perfect square. It doesn't exist. But there are square things in the Torah. For example, the mezuzah goes on a square door. And tefillin are square. And tzitzitz are square. Those three things are mentioned in the Shema, which we say twice a day, to remind us to look a little bit outside the circle and remember the square. Now, what else is in the square? The mitzvah of Hanukkah, because the mitzvah of Hanukkah has to be on the door, on the opposite side of the mezuzah. It's also part of that square. And it is that idea that is supposed to penetrate into us, into the darkness of Greece. The light of the menorah is supposed to penetrate, to wake us up, to realize that there is a God and everything that's happening is coming from God. And deeper than that, we have a relationship with God. Now, I want to go back for a second to my second question, which what does this have to do with the Torah Shabbat Pei? So the Orachim explains in Vayikra that the Torah Shabbat Pei can really be found inside the Torah Shabbat Tav. The main work that students do in the yeshiva is to study the Torah Shabbat Pei. And inside the Torah Shabbat Pei, we see the Chazal, the rabbis, are trying to figure out where this halakha, where this law comes from inside the Torah itself. So in a certain sense, the Torah Shabbat Pei is the inner part of the Torah Shabbat And that is exactly why Hanukkah is the acceptance of the Torah Shabbat Pei. Because the idea is to go inside the inner meaning of things, to see the light inside and not to look at it at surface value. Because Torah Shabbat Pei is working back and forth and struggling, exerting oneself, getting to the deeper understanding of what's being written in the text, not just looking at the text at, at a surface value. And that's what it has to do with Torah Shabbat Pei, the same idea of by Hanukkah. And this also answers why the mitzvah of Hanukkah is chaviv, dear. It has to do with the inner, panemius, inner part of our relationship with God and not at the surface level. And the menorah itself, the light shows that wherever the Jews went through all the exiles, we had with us the light, the shekhinah, the presence of God, our relationship with God, wherever we are. And we refuse to accept this Greek view of the world that life has no meaning but to fill yourself up with nonsense. And the menorah, which Chazal tells us is the remembrance of the menorah in the temple, is also connected with God's presence because that's where the menorah was, in the temple where God's presence was. And this also comes to answer another famous kasha as to why was the focus of Hanukkah specifically on the candles when it could have been really on the war. The fact that a few uh, Kohanim in guerrilla warfare beat an entire Greek army is also a miracle. So why specifically the miracle of Hanukkah? Why on the oil? Why is the Gemara in Shabbos say that Hanukkah was fixed because of the, the, the oil burnt for eight days? And the answer is because God wanted to make a break in reality. He wanted to show us that reality as we know it, is all based on Him. And the fact that the oil burnt for eight days, which was something above nature, is a glimpse into the underlying reality beyond nature, from the circle into the square. The Beis Levi also says in the Kriyas Yamsuv, what did the Jews see? They saw that the world is digital. There's no continuity between cause and effect. Reality as we know, we see it as solid. For example, if you're like looking at a solid waterfall, the waterfall looks solid. But we know logically every second is another drop of water. Also a candle burning. 
The candle looks like you see a flame. What do you see a flame? A flame looks almost solid. It's not solid at all. Every second is another pulse of the flame, another, so to our reality, is being created every second digitally. It's not analog. It looks like it's analog. It looks like it's solid. But the reality is, at every second, it's being created by the creator himself. This also explains the famous kasha of Rav Chaim Shmuelovich as to why did Yosef, why did Yosef have faith from the fact that he saw that the Arabs, which normally carry tar and stinky stuff, they instead were carrying perfume. I mean, what did he care? He was going to the Holocaust. And every Hanukkah, that same parsha falls, the parsha of Yosef. So Rav Chaim Shmuelovich explains, no, when he saw the break in the natural order, the fact that they were carrying uh, spices that smell good. When he was going to the Holocaust, it gave him faith because it, he called it an ishika. God showed him that he's with him. That what we call reality is solid, but don't forget, underlying that reality is the all-powerful God. And this is the mitzvah of Hanukkah, and that's why it's so chaviv, and it's so dear, and it's so important, because it gets us into the inner connection and relationship that we have with our Creator. The Jewish people are a people of miracles, we're a people of faith, and we lit the candles for hundreds of years, even in dangerous situations, to show our faith and to show our love of God and to show our love of the mitzvahs and the purpose for what we were created. God should help us and He should end this exile of nonsense, of constantly filling ourselves up with things that have no meaning, and we should get back in line and get on to the purpose of our lives. Thank you for listening. Your voicemail could be featured on the Higher Life Podcast. Just visit RabbiMinterhoff.com to ask questions or leave comments.